Another awesome uh, evening right here on Radio Pulpit 657 AM. You're tuned in to Filling the Gap with me, Dwayne van Rensburg, and it is such a privilege to spend the next hour with you. Um, as mentioned earlier, and if you only tuned in now, this is a pre-recorded show. Um, this evening I've got the privilege of being involved with the Gauteng North Regional Acrobatics Competition um, at a venue in Centurion. And uh, earlier this uh, earlier this today, earlier this afternoon, I had the privilege of spending time with Reverend Paul Coupe on a Zoom interview regarding something that's very close to her heart and that of course being um, corruption. Yes, it is a very sensitive, controversial topic, yet it is something that we as South Africans face on a daily basis. That is unfortunately how it is we live in South Africa and that being said, I don't think it's only an issue in South Africa. I think it's an issue right around the world. So, uh, we are definitely going to take some time and we are going to listen to what Reverend Paul Coupe has got to say for us. Uh, but before we get there, something that's very close to my heart, of course, is Ascension Day. And I'd like us to just uh, take some time and quickly listen to this ad on Ascension Day. And then, of course, also an ad on a ladies camp coming up just before uh, we go over to Reverend Paul Coupe. And um, as mentioned, this is a pre-recording. So myself and Reverend Paul Coupe um, chatted on Zoom. So um, right after these ads, we will be ready with an interview between myself and Reverend Paul Coupe. But before we get there, please listen to the following. All right. So as promised, yet again, an awesome privilege I have this evening to... Uh, um, I actually, I think I'm in trouble with her because also I call her Tani. And apparently <laughs> she now calls me Moses. So yet again, an awesome <laughs> privilege uh, to welcome Tani, Reverend Paul Coupe. Paul, how are you? Yeah, you know, we must, I think we must rename the program from Standing in the Gap and call it the Danny and Moses uh, <laughs> Danny and Moses chat. <laughs> yeah, well, one day, I don't know when and where, but one day I'll, I'll, I'll share the testimony of uh, the Moses yeah. beard. The timing, is, the timing of it isn't now, but I will tell the people at some stage what this is all about. I don't know how you're going to get out around the Tani thing. Um, this is God's instruction. Danny is just age. Listen, Danny is one of the names and others. I have mama. Others call me Gogo. Others, you know, so it's okay. It's That's how we roll in, in Africa and Southern Africa. That's how we Well, voyage. I can tell you this, me. I can tell you this. This Gogo or this Omo or whatever you want to call this lady. <laughs> Uh, listen, I'm I'm checking you on Facebook, and you're Paul. You are running around the world, and you're on pulpits and stages and in meetings, and uh, you don't sit still a single moment. No, you know what they say. There's an African proverb. It says that um, a fly cannot settle on a hot plate of food. So to uh, decode that is basically saying that when you're hot, heat keeps all these nasty things and bugs and insects and stuff away. So when you're hot, you're moving around and you're on fire and everything, all these terrible things cannot settle on you. So that's what I'm trying to make sure that no flies settle on me. <laughs> I'm a hot plate of food. <laughs> it almost sounds like one of my mentors one day told me something. He said that there's this saying, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. He said yeah. that if your life is the heat and people can't stand around you, don't drop the heat. Increase yeah. the heat so that you can see who's truly <laughs> meant to be around you. So exactly, exactly. Heat is good. Fire is good. God right, came. So he, answered, he answered with fire to Elijah. 
Yeah, so, sure. So what's what's happening in the life of Paul Kupai? Where are you? What are you doing? What are you busy with right now? Well, we just came back last week. We had a very good meeting in Senegal. And you'll remember that Senegal was that place where um, there was a threatened disruption um, and, you know, there were some kind of racist undertones and it looked like there was almost going to be civil war. And a couple of years ago, I remember going there with, I actually went with um, a, a ministry called Dare to Love and a few members of their team. I'm sure you know Daryl Hardy and others. And we went very early in the morning. We went there to go and pray in Senegal. And we went to pray there. And it was amazing. We went there. We found some members of other different political parties. And it looked like it was going to be a, a fight. But by God's grace, that fight was averted. And what happened from that Senegal thing was that um, the different races be, be, came together and they started having a discussion, you know, and they formed a committee, the pastors from different races, and they now started bringing together solutions, peace solutions for Senegal. So we gathered there. Um, this is now two years almost, I think, after. And we were invited there. Different About 100 Christian leaders went there last week to go and discuss uh, kingdom blueprints to say, how can we bring solutions for the nations? Because we can't just, we're, we're not placed here, Duane, as the church to criticize government. If we are the salt and if we are the light, we must bring solutions. It's not just about, you know, skinnering, oh, Jormente, government is not doing that. No, we must actually bring the blueprints, bring the solution. So we had a good uh, two days that we were there of discussing uh, blueprints and solutions around agriculture, around government, around the economy. Um, you know, I, I, I had the pleasure of, of facilitating the uh, government um, uh, leg along with um, a, a lady called Lizelle. Dr. Arna Feniker facilitated the economy one. Then we had uh, Africa Mshope also facilitating the church one with Theon's help. So that's an encouraging thing. I just, I think it's good that we start off with hope. You know, it's always good to hoy some little some ho hope there because Christ is the hope of glory. And as South Africans, as Africans, we must never lose sight of hope that, yes, there may be challenges. And we're going to be talking about some of those challenges now, Dwayne. But at the end of the day, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. The light is Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach himself. He is the light of the world. And um, he has called us to be lights as well. He said we must be lights and not hidden, but on the on the top of a city on a hill. So he is light and he's calling us to be light in the midst of this dark world, this world where there's so much corruption. Uh, we must not just sit back and complain about corruption. But the question is, what do you do about corruption? What am I doing about corruption? What are we together as a corporate body doing about corruption. Yeah. Well, Rev, just so for interest's sake, I spoke to uh, Dr. Arne van just last night. Um, myself and, and Uncle Angus will shortly be doing a, a session regarding teenagers and the youth of the country. Because I, I don't believe what? that this country is totally down the drain. I do believe revival is going to take place. And I don't think it's the end for South Africa, sure. by the way. Okay. But that's a different topic. Rev, We've been going at this, myself and you have been going at this for almost three years now. And yeah. every, wow. every single three time years. when we, 
almost three years. Can you believe it? Every single time we go on air, we, 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 we make our state, our, our stand very clear. Firstly, we are children of God, both of us. Yeah. And, 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 and right. we do not side a specific political party or specific. We, right. we, we side, we side with, with scripture. We side with what's yes. godly. We, we side with what's true. And yes. unfortunately, sometimes when we talk on our show, we do address certain sensitive topics that, um, that, yeah. that, that touches certain political movements. But that being said, our focus and our aim is to glorify the kingdom of God. Yes, um, absolutely. So as much as some of our topics may be uh, controversial and borderline and touch sensitive stuff happening in the news right now, that is the examples that we use to drive a point home. And and one yeah. of the one of the greatest stuff that I've learned from you is um you always taught me hate the sin, not the sinner. Let's talk about what's going on. Let's not let's talk about the person that does the stuff. And right, right now God cannot bless a country if we do not operate in unity. Right. And, Corruption is breaking that unity, and we are yeah. facing that again right now. Rev, what are we talking about this evening? Well, you know, like you said, corruption is is a is a terrible evil. It's a social evil. I mean, uh, the 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 continent of Africa itself loses hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars due to corruption. And so, one of the issues which we have to address, Dwayne, because we constantly hear in the news that Africa is a poor continent, blah 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 blah, and we know that that's all hogwash. That's rubbish. We are actually the richest continent, but. Aside from the fact that we have the most mineral resources and, you know, gas, oil, uh, platinum, gold, all, all of those things, chrome, chromium. Aside from that, uh, one of the things, if we as Africans could just block and stop the whole of corruption, there would be more than enough for everybody to eat. And I do want to say this at the beginning also, that corruption is not an African problem. It's a global problem. In fact, some of the nations in the West are the most corrupt nations. It's just that they've mastered how to hide their corruption better than we do here in 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 Africa and in some of the the nations here. So it's not um an endemic that is just unique to Africa. It's a pandemic actually that is globally happening globally. So I wanted to say that from the beginning. Now God says righteousness and justice. I'm sure if you've listened to to some of the things I say You'll know that that's a trend. It's a pattern. And whatever I say, it always is based on Psalms 97.2, which is, by the way, repeated in Psalms 89.14. It's the same scripture that says righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Uh, you know, So that's been the ministry that God has given me, I think, for the past 20 years. I keep reciting, talking about that as a lawyer. That's my mandate. That's my assignment um, as a Christian lawyer to to pursue that apostolically and prophetically. But corruption is something that's really interfering with the aspect of righteousness and justice. And we've been talking about law for so long, Duane, and legislation and the importance of legislation. But here's a question that we have to ask ourselves today, is what happens when the legislative structures, the legislative structures themselves, are showing signs of corruption. 
what happens uh, in the government? You know, it's made up of three arms. It's the it's the legislature, it's the judiciary, and it's the executive. So what do we do when the structures are have been permeated by corruption? Because these are the structures and the arms that we are depending on to make things right. And so we really need to pray as South Africans that there will be exposure of of corruption. And I know that you've been praying. Our prayer movements have been praying for a long time. We've been using Luke 12, 2 to pray. And Luke 12, 2, it says, first of all, we shouldn't be afraid of anything that's out there. And then it tells us that whatever is hidden will be exposed in the light. And I believe that's what's happening now. And I think as South Africans, we need to pray more than ever for the exposure of more corruption, especially where the corruption is appearing um, in legislative and judicial structures, Duane. It's very, very important because these are the structures that were set up to deal with crime. Yeah. So these are what am I talking about? Legislative, judicial structures. I'm talking about the court systems whether it's it's the junior courts, whether it's the high courts, whether it's constitutional courts, etc. We have to pray for the judges there in that system. Um, you know, I, I remember not too long ago, uh, there was a, a, a case, the, the aspect of, remember, I think we talked about it on Radio Pulpit, where there was a call for the appointment of a new chief justice because the former chief justice term had ended. And we talked about it and... Um, and what one of the things that discouraged me was one of the judges that was shortlisted, um, five judges that was shortlisted had already been found guilty of a misconduct. He'd been found guilty of misconduct by a tribunal, not only the tribunal, the, the judicial services, uh, uh, uh the judicial services council also found him guilty. And you know what's discouraging about that, Dwayne, is that um, it took 14 years for that case to be heard. 14 years. So the complaint and the, the case against this judge was laid in 2008. And it was only dealt with last year. And this was a case of serious misconduct where a judge was found to have uh, behaved in a very inappropriate way, trying to sway the outcome of, of a case, you know, and, and, and so that's very concerning. So the question is, how did this judge land up uh, for the most important judicial uh, appointment? The most important judicial officer in the land is the chief justice. He's not only chief justice over the constitutional court. He's also the one who is plays a major role in the appointment of other judges. So this has to be somebody of the highest level of, of uh, integrity, the highest moral level. So how is it that somebody who's been found guilty of serious misconduct, um, not only by a tribunal, not only by the judicial services uh, conduct, um, uh, you know, is, is ends up being one of the top five judges that's been considered for the most important chief justice role. This is what I'm talking about, that as, as a nation, we need to start really seriously thinking about this. And as a church, we need to seriously think about praying about this, because if we have individuals who are lacking in moral integrity and have been found to have done serious misconduct. Um, there can't be hope 
um, for us going forward. That means that criminals will will not be found guilty. Th- that means that these are chief justices or judges that may be able to be uh, bribed, you know, because they're lacking in, in moral integrity. So it's, it's of fundamental importance that we pay inten- attention to this. And, um, you know, the, the, you know, the president did step in and last year, uh, end of last year, the, the judge was, was suspended and is now facing impeachment and impeachment can only be done by our national assembly. But I wanted to give that as an example to say that, yes, we're talking about legislative matters and legislation and the judiciary go hand in hand because the judges and the judiciary are the ones who implement the laws. So we can pass laws and, you know, what we've been doing, Duane, over these years is saying public, come on, public, you must be active citizens. You must play a role in, in, in making submissions so that we have good laws. But then, Duane, what, what good are those good laws if those laws are not being implemented, if they're being implemented by people who are lacking in moral integrity. So it's important that we not only have good laws and legislation and we participate in the legislative making process, but that even those who implement the laws are upstanding characters of, of good repute, of, of good morals, of good values, of good principles, of high integrity. That is something that we must ensure. And I think it's very concerning in South Africa that we find ourselves now even questioning, we have to question our legislative structures, our judicial structures, our prison um, systems. We have to ask questions around our some of our prison officers, our police officers. Police, are there police in, 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 in um, you know, police officers who are being bribed? I myself, I don't know about you, Duane, but I've been approached many times by police officers who have asked me for something. And the way they put it is, uh, can can I give them some money for a Coke? Coke, don't you have something for me for a Coke? And I say, no, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a judicial officer. I'm a lawyer myself. And so I cannot encourage corruption. And I want to say this to us as South Africans. We cannot complain about corruption if you yourself are participating in corruption, you know, because you want to avoid a speeding fine ticket and you decide it's easier to give the the police officer a hundred rand than to pay 500 rand fine. You are a participant in that corruption. So South Africa... We cannot be hypocritical and say, oh, the police are corrupt, but it's you. It's you who's giving the police officer that 50 rand or that 100 rand so that you don't get a ticket. We mustn't do that. We're, we're perpetuating corruption. So that's it. So, um, yeah, we need to, to interrogate and pray about our structures. I mean, I found it very interesting. You know, there's been a case, a very highly publicized case in the public uh, of recent, and I'm sure you'll also hold your, your input in here, um, whereby w- a, a, somebody who was a prisoner imprisoned for, for rape and imprisoned also for, for, uh, uh, murder, for murder was outside. Can you imagine, Dwayne, this person had been outside of prison for more than a year living, uh, a, a, a prisoner that had been found guilty? of rape, a convicted murderer, convicted rapist, but was living lekker, 
living lacquer in, in, in the best places of Johannesburg, living the high life in Santon. And thank God for a somebody who was alert. And let me encourage us as South Africans, we must be alert, who saw him, took a picture of him and said, wait a minute, isn't this the convicted rapist and murderer? Because nobody else knew that he was out. So when I talk about corruption within the system, the legal system, we have to ask questions, Dwayne. How did a convicted murderer and a convicted rapist, how did he come out? Well, apparently uh, they believed that he was dead because there was a body, a body found that had burnt to death in his cell. Well, they've only discovered now, so he's been out for over a year because they thought he was dead. They've only recently discovered after more than a year that that body did not belong to him. It was the body of somebody else. It was the body of, of, of somebody else that was found burnt to death. So there are a lot of questions now that will show you that there's corruption in the system. Because in the first instance, that body, why was why were DNA tests not performed on that body? I'm asking now as a lawyer to make sure that that body, because it's now that they've done DNA tests and it's now that they found out that that body belonged to somebody, you know, a, 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 a young gentleman, God bless his family, we're praying for his family, you know, um, by the name of Katlejo. It was his body. So why wouldn't they have discovered that at the beginning? A normal thing to do when you find something like that is to have an inquest. An inquest is a, a legal sort of inquiry where you want to, it's an investigation to find out what happened. So the first step in having an inquest is to find out, is this body the body of the deceased? So that wasn't done. That wasn't done. Um, the second thing that we've learned in that case is that because the father is now complaining, and, and I'm saying this because this is public knowledge, it's in the newspapers already. So it's it's something that's common knowledge. So we can talk about it from that perspective. The the father of Katejo is now asking questions to say that he was called. He was called by public officials. And they called him to say that his son just collapsed in Bloemfontein and that the body he was he was taken, he collapsed and was taken to hospital where he died. That's what his father was told. But do you know what the results of the post-mortem reveal? The, the post-mortem reveals that he didn't just collapse. The post-mortem reveals that his skull, he died as a result of a, a fracture. That There was a force. They described the force as a blunt force to his head. And that's what caused his death. Meaning there was a force, some, something or someone applied force. And that the force of that killed Catejo. Um, so it's it's looking more like this person was deliberately killed. His body was taken to a government mortuary, and then how did that body leave the government mortuary and end up in in uh, in you know the the case we're talking about? Of course, is the Tabo case, and it's a pub, very public case. How did it end up in Tabo's uh, prison cell? So right there and then, obviously, we, we ask the question, and I'm, I'm just using this example to show that there's a series of corruption 
in our mm. different judicial and legal systems. So in the first instance, how did it get to the government mortuary? Um, in the second instance, how did it leave? How did this the, this body of this precious soul, how did it leave the government mortuary? How was it removed? In the third instance, how did it find its way? So for this body to have miraculously found its way into Tabo Bester's cell, there must have been collusion. So it means there's some prison officers somehow that were working with whoever. So there's some mortuary officers, obviously, who released the body. So those they have to be questioned. There's some level of, of, of corruption there. Because how could the body of, of somebody, Katleho's parents were not involved in, in, in taking that body out. So how was that body released without the parents knowing? And how did it end up in prison? So there's a level of corruption that's at the government mortuary. There's a level of corruption at the prisons as well that we've seen. Um, for him to come out and we're finding and hearing um, information that he used to come out on weekends. There's evidence of, of, of his having stayed in hotels on weekends. He would be allowed to go out and spend time with his, I'm not sure whether it's his girlfriend or whether it's his wife, who's also a co-accused in, in this case. Um, there's evidence of receipts and, 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 and physical evidence of him going in and out. So we know that there's issues with the prisons, all of that. So the, these are issues that we have to face and we have to discuss as, as South Africa, because my question, Duane, is saying at the end of this all, we as public citizens, we take time to make submissions. We, we, we try to influence our laws to make sure that we have good laws and that those laws will catch bad people and criminals to keep uh, our good citizens safe, make sure that citizens are not raped make sure that citizens are not murdered, make sure that there's safety and security, and then the officers who are entrusted to keep that safety and that security um, can be bought, can be bribed, um, and all of that. So that that is a very important issue that we need to address because there's no point in us passing laws and in us getting highly involved in the legislative process when there's this endemic corruption that means that there are some corrupt individuals um, within immoral individuals within ju judiciary and corrupt individuals within the legal system, the prison system, the police system, um, and, and so we have good laws and then they're not implemented because we have immoral and ethical and in some instances, um, you know, illegal uh, uh, people within the justice system itself. So that's very concerning. And that's a situation, that's an issue that must be discussed nationally. And um, it must be addressed nationally. And I believe the church must play a fundamental and key role in having that conversation not only must we pray for 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 officials who are corrupt especially in the legal system to be exposed that must be done we must pray for them to be exposed but then we must also pray for them to be replaced and substituted and substituted so that the laws that are implemented and passed can be implemented by people who can uphold Psalms 97 too 
that says righteousness and justice are the foundation of my throne. So I've been talking for a long time now. So it's time no, for Moses to intervene. <laughs> there's actually a, there's actually a point that I want to make as well. Last week on my show, I had a um, I had a trauma psychologist with me, someone that specialises a doctor's degree in trauma psychology. And very often, we focus so much on the corruption. For example, the case that you just mentioned. Okay, we focus yeah. about the corruption and about this individual. But what about Taklehor's parents? What about the the post event yes. trauma? And something that ran through my mind as you were talking is. It's, it's a year on, so they probably had a funeral. Okay, but I'm just asking the rhetorical yeah. question, whose body was in that casket? Because yeah. it wasn't their son's ashes that going back. So I'm, I'm just thinking about the ripple effect of these so-called corruption actions. It's very selfish individuals that thinks about themselves. Yeah. But we've got, a, we've got a mother and a father who's broken because they yeah. have to open up the wounds yet again because they never buried their own boy. Um, this is yeah. one of multiple cases, yeah. but it's something that obviously I feel as Christians, we've got to pay attention to this. How did these parents get over something like this? Was it their son's body that they buried? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. It's that That's only one aspect around the trauma to them. But now finding out that your son also, who you thought died of natural causes, because that's what they were told, he just really? collapsed. And that now you find that no, he didn't die naturally. There was a blunt force. So now you're finding out that he's murdered and they're asking questions. They want answers. What happened to their son? So it's, it's a whole lot of trauma. You thought that just dealing with his death, like you say, is, is traumatic in itself. But now you find out that, like you say, the body that was buried was not his body. Um, that he was murdered actually in all likelihood he was murdered. Um, and 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 then on top of being murdered, that his body was was removed, was removed from a government mortuary. How did that happen? And then on top of that, it was then burnt, set alight. <laughs> oh God! I mean, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible that that should happen to anybody's relative. It's just too much to bear, and all for the sake of money, because you know people have been bribed. Uh, uh, and all of that. So we really need to pay attention to this to say, how can we ensure that this corruption um, is, 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 is taken out? And I do at this point also want to say this, um, Dwayne, because I, I have a very dear friend of mine, because we don't want to also just talk about the gloomy and the bad. But I, I want to use this also as an opportunity to talk about a, a wonderful ministry which was started by a good friend of mine um, who unfortunately, you know, well, unfortunately for us as human beings, but, you know, heaven rejoiced when, when he came home and transitioned to glory. Uh, Graham Power, who was somebody who was very well known in the, in the prayer movement, um, the, he founded Global Voice of Prayer and, and many other initiatives. But one initiative that he also started, and I have the privilege of having worked with them, is the initiative of Unashamedly Ethical. Unashamedly Ethical. And, and I was blessed and privileged last year, just before, in fact, it was literally a few weeks before he transitioned uh, to be, have been presented with a, an award for justice, you know, for trying to pursue justice by this ministry. But Unashamedly Ethical is a ministry that really is 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 focused on 
pursuing righteousness and pursuing justice and and dealing with corruption. How do we deal with corruption? It really mobilizes ministries. It mobilizes businesses in particular to go out there and 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 stop operating in a corrupt way, but to follow the, the righteous way. And, and Graham himself will, had given a testimony of how he, he was a businessman and, you know, God blessed him with, with power construction, but he got convicted. He got convicted and he tells this testimony of how he got convicted because he was doing some business practices that were involved in, in, you know, trying to see how he could get better tax, um, benefits you know in terms of where he was keeping his money and he said god convicted him of that it's a public testimony he gives that god convicted him of 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 doing that and it was on that basis that he started this network and this ministry to deal with corruption and corrupt practices and i really believe that if we can get that right um many other things will be working i mean look at our issue of escom duane Look, look at our issue of, of all the infrastructures that are not working, the, the cable thefts. And there are businesses that we believe we've been told are benefiting from no electricity, that there are businesses that are, are, are benefiting um, because of, of stolen cables and all of that. So there's there's some level of corruption which needs to be identified. Where is it coming from? So that we can have electricity is not a luxury, Dwayne. It's not a luxury. It's not. It, it may be. Maybe some people may find it a luxury. But tell that to somebody who's in hospital, in ICU, in hospital and needs a ventilator or something that's keeping him alive. Mm. And it's using electricity. Mm. And, you know, even generator is not good enough. Generators are costly. They take a lot of diesel. They're also not dependable. So um, th- their li- lives are involved. So we we have to deal with this issue of corruption. And and the question we need to ask ourselves: one is as Christians, let let us. What is our role? What is 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 our responsibility? As whistleblowers, how can we see corruption being played out and we keep quiet? Um, the government needs to look at legislation. One of the legislation they need to look at, Duane, is the Whistleblowers Act. Yeah? The whistleblower. What is a whistleblower? The whistleblower is somebody who knows about corruption, has observed it, has seen it, has witnessed it, has evidence of it that can convict the people who are corrupt. That is somebody we refer to as a whistleblower. But the challenge we have Dwayne, is that whistleblowers are too afraid to come out because they're they're afraid for their lives. Their lives are threatened. There's there's a cartel. There are cartels and mafia people who are being enriched and benefiting as a result of corruption. And so whistleblowers, nobody wants to be a whistleblower because they fear for their lives. But when you have that whistleblower legislation, one of the things that that law must do is to protect whistleblowers. It protects them by doing what? One of the things it would do is to protect their anonymity. So, for instance, you can literally give evidence um, without your identity being known. 
imagine if people's identity could be protected and and how many more people would be able to come forth to say, I know about this and this and this, and we could begin to make a dent in corruption. So the Whistleblowers Act lays a foundation for protecting people, for ensuring that they're kept in safe places, for ensuring that their safety and security is prioritized. So that's one of the pieces of legislation because, you know, this 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 program, we talk about kingdom legislation and things like that. So that's something we need to really pay attention to is how do we make sure that the whistleblowers uh, piece of legislation is put in and drafted properly to ensure the protection of people who want to actually um, expose protection. I mean, we had a recent case of uh, somebody who was trying to expose corruption, you know, a CEO of a major, uh, a major parastatal. And he said, he said his life was, you know, I'm just quoting what he said, his life was threatened. And I believe he has now left the country. So um, I, I don't know the details of that, but I'm just saying that the whistleblowers legislation and when we have proper people in safety and security could have avoided that, that, that people's lives can be protected and they can come out knowing that I'm anonymous. Nobody knows who I am. I will be protected. The lives and safety of my children will be protected and my nation will be going in a better direction because corruption will be exposed and it, uh, the, the corrupt elements will be dealt with. Yeah. Well, so, so, one so, of the yeah. things that we do, one of the things that we've been doing the past three years on our show is we've, we've, we've had a call to action and if, yeah. if, if I think about the past three years, we've we've really touched on some um, hope, high-profile legislative cases, and we've had, we've had great success with getting the Church of Christ to do individual submissions. Um, I remember uh, our shows regarding the hate speech, Papuda, and the stuff that we went through. One of the huge testimonies for me, and I haven't shared it with you off air because I wanted to share it with you on air, is yeah. we earlier earlier the year and at the end of last year, December. We had two very big shows. The one was the comprehensive sex education, and we went yes. into detail about uh, um, um, the legislative people not consulting with you and blah, 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 blah. Then we also had the unisex toilets that we discussed in January, and we yeah. took those programs, we podcasted them, and we, we had a call to action where we asked the SGBs, school governing bodies and principals, to take a stand and understand their legislative rights regarding this. Um by the grace of God, we will now be hosting uh, an entire conference in July regarding comprehensive sex education. The conference will be held at, um, at, at our auditorium. I was still going to talk to you about that. And we have, we have called a series of school principals and governing bodies to this conference wow. to give them the alternative to comprehensive sex education. And along right. with the conference, we'll have a training. And that is one of the stuff in my opinion, that's been the success stories of the show that we've been doing once a month regarding kingdom legislation. Now, we are in this chat this evening of corruption. What is our call to action now to the church? Where do we start? So what's our call to action today? Our call to action as the church is, um, I, I believe, first of all, everything always starts from the premise of education. 
So you'll remember, Dwayne, all the things we've touched on, whether it's comprehensive sexuality education, whatever law, hate speech, we've always started with educating, making sure that people are aware. So that's the first port of call for me for the church is to encourage pastors, is to encourage um, ministers, etc., and to educate the congregation on, on, on aspect of corruption. And so that for me is the first aspect. Many of us don't realize that that what they think maybe is an innocent giving of a hundred rand to the police. You don't actually understand that I'm contributing. I'm contributing to corruption. Why? Yes. The call to action is first, like I said, to educate and, and create awareness within the church. So the church itself must talk about corruption and must talk about the the damage, what happens at a national level. Um, that must be, so we need to have a complete awareness um, within the churches. And I'm happy to to come to any church to, to talk about it, um, to do a presentation on the effects of corruption, on the implications of corruption, on the role that we play as individuals. And, and how does that impact on national corruption? Because you may think that your one little act of giving the police officer a hundred rand to avoid a speeding fine is not contributing, but it is contributing because you give the police officer a hundred rand and another individual gives him a hundred rand. Sooner or later, that police officer is going to be depending on those hundred rands to boost his salary. So he now operates on the level of if I can get you know, a hundred rand from 20 people, that's 2000 rand extra to my salary. And then sooner or later, he, because he's included that as part of a salary, that's not going to be enough. Then he will be, if he's working with prisoners, he will be receiving bribes and money from prisoners as well. And then you have a whole corrupt legal system because you and I have started by feeding, by, you know, look what, what looked to be harmless hundred rand. It's not harmless. So all that it needs, we need to educate people around how corruption, our little act of corruption can, can, can become a national fire. What is it the Bible talks about? It says the tongue is a little member. It says it's a small little member, but it can start a huge fire. So there are little acts that we do that can start huge, huge fires. And so that for me is the most important thing that the church must do right now is to have a whole education awareness campaign around sensitizing the congregation about the ills of corruption, how it contributes. The fact that we do not have electricity right now is, a, is, is related to corruption. It's not just a bad planning issue we didn't plan. There are corruption elements involved. The fact that we, we, we are battling with water. Dwayne, this whole week, um, I'm living in Pretoria East and we didn't have water for, for almost 10 days. You know, all these infrastructure related problems and issues are corrupt related issues. So we cannot afford as individuals to be involved because it has national implications for everybody. So that's my first, um, element there. And uh, I think that that is my first call of action. I don't want to overwhelm us with the plan A, step B, step C. But I think if we can just get that right around educating the nation, creating awareness around how corruption kills us as a society, as a nation, 
steals our strength, takes, does damage to our economy. If we can just get that right, right there, I think probably a good element of corruption will be taken away, will be taken away because people will become sensitive. People will, will look out for, be, be looking out for one another, looking out for corrupt elements. I mentioned another aspect around the legislation. We need to make a call for the legislation, part of which is the whistleblowers legislation. But I think that's a work in progress. But in the immediate interim, I think the main call to action right now is let the church be aware of what corruption is. Remember that the Bible says that we are called to be the salt. And salt, interestingly enough, is something that deals with corruption. Because you you know, Dwayne, how, I mean, let me, let me bring it down to a, an example that we can identify with in South Africa. How many of us love Biltong? Don't we, Somer, love, I mean, I don't think you can be When I came back from Senegal the other day, oh my goodness, we stopped by this place on our way to Pretoria. It was a real kind of, you know, lecker, you know, one of those uh, uh, town shops there where you have homemade jam and there was even homemade mm. hemen, mm. ginger beer. Mm. I'm telling you that I ordered some half a kilo of, of, of biltong with chilies and ooh, that, you know, when my daughter came home and she, she had a, a piece of it, she's like, mom, where did you get this biltong? Uh, but biltong and we know i just wanted to say this that one of the ways we make biltong is by putting spices but one of the spices is salt there must be an element of salt in the biltong and and why do we put salt in it because salt ensures that things don't rot Mm. they don't spoil in the olden days when they had no fridges that's how they preserved things by putting salt in them when there are no fridges, they put salt in. So what is salt? Salt is a preservative that stops things from going bad. Salt is a preservative that stops corruption. So this is what I'm saying to the church right now, that God says we are the salt. So we cannot see corruption. And, and if we're the salt, we must be that preservative that stops corruption. We must be that preservative that stops things from going bad. We can't just complain and skinner all day about who this one and that one and that one. No, we must be the ones that are looking out with open eyes. We must be the ones that are praying, having prayer meetings. I, 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 I wish we could have uh, some leaders out there. And I want to con- challenge some of the, the church leaders out there. Let's have a, a, a prayer meeting. National prayer meeting just on the issue of corruption. I'm, I would be happy to be there. You know, I don't need to do anything necessarily just to be there, to be part of it and to pray along with you. Um, yeah, I, I want to challenge us as a church. Let's deal with this serious issue. If we cannot deal with this issue and declare Psalms 97 2 over South Africa that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne in South Africa. You are not a corrupt nation. God has spoken revival in you. And so revival begins with repentance, that we must repent of every corrupt practice, that revival begins with, with, with acknowledgement of sin in regard to the corruption and begin to cry out to God and begin to raise up an altar and it is an altar that is crying out to God to say that, Lord, we align with the redemptive purpose of South Africa. 
the redemptive purpose of revival. That, that's a call to action, a call to action to pray to, for God to deal with corrupt elements and corrupt structures and to bring exposure and to bring replacements where necessary. If, if Vashti is not answering the call, is not doing what she's supposed to do in the palace, then let Esther's be raised up. Let Mordecai's people of integrity. Mordecai was seated at the gate as a gatekeeper. To, to make sure that the Hamans, who are uh, unjust and corrupt elements and, and just seeking their personal agenda, that Haman was taken out because Mordecai, who was a righteous just uh, gatekeeper, was there. Esther, who was a righteous gatekeeper, was there. That God will raise up righteous Esthers and righteous Mordecais who will stand who will stand in this time. Let's let's have that prayer call. And God says he will answer Jeremiah 33. He said, call unto me and I will show you. The Amplified Version says the hidden things. I will show you the hidden things. Let, let's have that prayer call to the nation to say, let's pray just on this one item, not having 5 million prayer items, just on the issue of corruption, just on that. Just on that and, and, and call people even, you know, in, in the judiciary to, to, to pray for them, lay hands on them, you know, call the commissioner of police and, 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 and whoever out are out there. Make sure that the, the, the chief, the current chief justice is there and pray for him if he will come. That, that's what I'm praying for, that, that, that will take place and, and that will happen. And we pray, call some of the members of parliament. You know, we know members of parliament like Reverend Kenneth Mishre, uh, maybe like people who we know are in parliament from any party, not just one political party, but anybody who we know is taking a stand for righteousness and justice to call for them to come and stand on behalf of the legislator. Uh, I think that's important. So that's my call of action to the nation, that we pray, that we educate, we, we sensitize, and um, mobilize, and we look at the legislation. Let's those of us who are legally trained. Let's interrogate the the current legislation. Is it enough to deal with the current level of corruption that we are facing and looking at right now? Yeah, and the bottom line is, irrespective of whether we're talking about parliament or politics or um, your own business, your own life, your own marriage, the blessings of God cannot rest on a corrupt structure. Um, so right. regardless of where we talk about it, if we need the country to be blessed again, we've got to get rid of corruption. If we need our yeah. marriages to be blessed, we've got to get rid of the the spiritual corruption and the enemy trying to hurt us. So this is actually a call to action in our in our daily lives as Christians, what we should do. So uh, Rev, um, what, yeah. where, what are you doing? What's your movement? Where can we follow? Where can we can see you talk? What's what's going on in your life um, going ahead, going ahead now? Yeah, no, like you said, um, Dwayne, and just to emphasize your last point, that's what the Bible says. It says, um, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach. And unless and until we must deal with that aspect of, of unrighteousness, of corruption, um, because it, it is a reproach. It's a reproach on our nation. It's a reproach on our lives. We cannot be operating like that as individuals in our lives doing what we call it. No, it's just a small bribe or no, everybody's doing it. Or, you know, you, you are tendering for something. I mean, I, I know stories 
of people who are ministers of the gospel and involved in corruption. Involved in corruption. There's corruption at home affairs. Taking big bribes. There's corruption in, in immigration, in, in home affairs. There's corruption, uh, you know, all over in the police offices. And some are even those who would call themselves ministers of the gospel. How do we preach? Uh, Jesus called the Pharisees. He said, you hypocrites, vipers and hypocrites. A hypocrite is somebody who says something but does something different. So anytime we as ministers of the gospel are preaching and yet we are stealing and we are taking bribes, that, that is the, that, that is the height of hypocrisy. That, no. that we have just fallen into the, the category, the WhatsApp group of Pharisees. There's no difference between us and Pharisees. So, yeah, so that's it, Dwayne. As, as for me, um, oh, there's a lot going on. Too much to mention here, but I, I will encourage, I normally encourage people. Um, and, and thanks. I don't have any more space on my Facebook page, uh, but you can follow. You can follow. I think I have about 31,000 followers there. So you can follow. And I'm, I'm, I'm just encouraging you to do that too. If you want to know where I'm going to be, I regularly update my Facebook page. So just follow there. You will see where I am, where I'm talking. What am I talking about? So go to my Facebook page. It's Pearl, P-E-A-R-L. Homoto, K-G-O-M-O-T-S-O, Coupe, K-U-P-E. So it's Pearl, Homoto, Coupe. Go to the Facebook page and you will be, you'll find all sorts of things going on, all sorts of events there. Um, yeah, so you can follow me on my Facebook page and it's regularly updated and we will ensure that we're together. Simunye, we are one. Genako. Let's do this, South Africa. Right, so just one quick one. What's your next country you off to? The next one is Botswana on Wednesday. Leaving for Botswana on Wednesday. So that is the next planned country. And You're then a real after that, you are a yeah, jet setter. After that it will be Kenya. After that it will be Ghana. So yes, looking forward to that. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to join you on one of those trips. So you gotta get you me in somewhere so I can join you. You must join and you must make sure that your beard is lekker long now because then I'll just be addressing you as Moses. And I don't see us having any problem. You must come and you must have a rod in one hand. And, okay. you know, I'll just be saying Moses, Moses. And if we encounter any difficulties, I'll just say, Moses, lift up the rod. Lift up your rod and, and part and this. And then I remove thing. the snake. And then I remove and the yeah. snake from my backpack. Remove this. <laughs> Part this Red Sea, Moses, lift up your rod and let the Red Sea of whatever it is we're, we're challenged, Red Sea, let it be parted so we can go through. So, yes, I do need a Moses for that because we always have challenges on our journeys. <laughs> right. So if you didn't know that every last Monday evening of every month, myself and Reverend Paul Kupai with Kingdom Legislation, if you can't get a hold of her, you can send me a WhatsApp. Uh, not a WhatsApp, but email. Uh, maybe you've got a legislative question. Maybe you need advice. Maybe you'd like to invite either one of us, perhaps, to one of the functions at your church. We will gladly do that. Rev, once again, just thank you for always your willingness, your heart. And um, I hope you know this, that this is only the start of years to come for the two of us, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I got you. I'm with you. Simunye, we're one. Blessings, guys. See you guys next week. Same time, same place. Bye-bye, guys.